0: You know, last week, if you were here, you know that uh, I started off the message by saying uh, this might be really offensive to us, and, and we kind of prepped you for that, remember? And, and, and I know a lot of you were offended, and, and I just thought it went so well that I thought I'd offend you again this week. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, but, but there really was a lot of truth that God was kind of just kicking us and nailing us, and, and I, it was incredible how so many of you just said, I want to receive from God, even if it is difficult. This week's a little different, Um, and and I want to prep you for this because I'm aware of how how God is kind of working through me and speaking through me with this week's message, and I want to tell you this in the uh, because I'm really hoping I think God has some incredible words for us today, and I'm hoping you can track along with us. So, how many? I'm just curious. whether you do it here or not, so that, that's okay, I mean, even though I would encourage you to, but whether you do it here or not, how many of you, like if you're in school or you were in school, you are one of those people who took a lot of notes. Raise your hand if that's something. okay, a bunch of you are like that. You take a lot of notes, and then there's others. I had a roommate who, he took like one page of notes for the whole semester, and I don't know how he did it, and if you're that person, raise your hand. I, I mean, I don't like you people, um, <laughs> Because you still get just as good as grades as the rest of us, and I don't know how you do it. Um, But anyways, so at the note takers, um, this is one of those messages where, where I'm going with it is, you know, you start on the far left of your page, and then you indent because of something, then you indent again. This is one of those messages that just keeps indenting as you go down. It's like it's we're following like this ch- same chain of thought all the way through it, but then it's the subpoint to the subpoint to the subpoint, and I say that because I'm hoping that kind of helps us as I just kind of keep going further into that. Um, it's not always a method I use, um, you know, but I know this week I was even as I was going through it, going, "Wow, there's another one. There's another one." So hopefully that'll help you. All right. With all that preface, let's, uh, let's dive in. Let's dive in. By the way, was that the coolest baptism ever? Was that amazing, man? I love that. That was awesome. So, two weeks ago, we kicked off the series, right? And, and we started with Ephesians chapter 5. And, and, and we went through a couple of verses real quick, gave the summary, and then we ended up in Ephesians 5 15 through 17. And Paul told us in that passage that God wants us to be careful how we live, right? He wants us to be careful how we walk in this life and to live as Christ followers, as Jesus followers, as disciples of Jesus, to live as people and to walk as people who are wise and as people who seek to understand what God's will is for our lives, And so because that's what God's calling you and I to, to live as wise and to seek God's will through our life, we came up with this question, we put together a question that's meant to bring clarity in helping you and helping me make God-honoring, God-glorifying decisions and choices in our lives. And the question is this, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? What's the wise thing for me to do? And, and then last week, we, we set that tone the first week, and then last week, we followed up with that, and, and, and we looked at some things that Solomon said. And Solomon, who, you know, who's purported to be the wisest person to ever live, he told us, if you don't opt For asking that question and seeking that. If you don't often choose wisdom, to to sit in the seat of wisdom in your life, you're going to, whether accidentally or intentionally, find yourself living or sitting in three other places, or being three other people, sitting in, we used last week, chairs. You're sitting in three other seats. And and, and maybe you remember what those seats were. First of all, uh, Solomon told us throughout Proverbs that, that some people sit in the seat of the simple, or the naive, or the inexperienced. It's the person who makes unwise decisions just because they don't know any better, or they don't have enough experience, or they could even be a Christian for 20, 30, 40 years, and in certain arenas or areas of our life, we find ourselves sitting in the simple seat. And then Solomon told us, well, you, you, there's a wise person, and there's a simple person, but then Solomon told us there's another type of person, and it's the, it's the fool and the difference between the fool and the simple is the fool actually knows better. They, they have experience or they're not naive or inexperienced in, in certain areas or ways, but they don't necessarily care. And Solomon said in Proverbs 26, 11, he said, In the areas of your life where you know better, in the areas of your life where you might know something isn't the wise decision or it's maybe even it's wrong, but you continually go after that, you continually pursue that, Solomon says in that area of your life, he said, you're a fool. And you're a fool because you just keep going back to it. You keep repeating, and the Bible word was you keep repeat, repeating your folly. And as Christians, you and I know that, you know, when we think about how, how do we play the fool so often? And we find ourselves here. Because we know, you know, you look at Scripture and you know God wants us to read His Word and, and to pray and to worship Him and, and to seek being His disciple. and that We're called to make disciples and we're called to serve Him and serve His church. We're called to, to exercise the disciplines of the faith and so much more. We know that all that's vital for our faith. But the fool, or we said, we use the term the spiritually lazy person, they don't care enough to pursue God in these ways. And so that person becomes a fool. And then finally, we looked at the person last week who's the mocker or the scoffer is what the Bible says. And they don't simply do what's wrong. They're critical or they're condescending of those who want to do what's right. And you remember how we ended off? We ended off pro- looking at Proverbs chapter 1 verses 20 through 33. And, and Solomon had some words for us. They, they were like, it was like a warning to us. And, and I really took to heart, and I was thinking about it all week long myself, that if I find myself not sitting in the seat of the wise, not pursuing godly wisdom and, and pursuing that chair of my life, if I find myself sitting in the chair of the fool or the simple or the mocker, if I find myself sitting there too long, eventually I'm going to need wisdom because everybody eventually needs wisdom, uh, Solomon told us but if you stay there too long, you remember what Solomon said? He said, man, there's going to come a point where you can't recognize or receive wisdom any longer. So he said, man, pick a chair, pick a chair. Of course, we were encouraged to get out of these three chairs, right? And to pursue the chair of wisdom. So as Jesus followers, who, who have an opportunity that God calls us to be careful how we live, by understanding God's will for our life. Man, it's it's wise to ask the question in light of my uh, past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing to do? Now, many of you this last week uh, texted me or emailed me, even a couple calls, and you shared with me the seasons or the moments or the weekends of your life where you sat in the seat of the simple or the fool, or the mocker and some of you shared with me some of the pain that came with that and you shared your story the share, the pain you experienced the all the regrets that came out of living as the simple or the fool or the mocker and you missed out on god's will because you didn't pursue wisdom Man, and that was heartbreaking to me to hear your regrets and, and, and we have regrets and, and, and we look back and go, oh man, I, I missed out and I had so many regrets. In fact, here's what I thought I'd do. I know I oftentimes have you turn to the person you know. Why don't you turn to the person next to you that you don't know and share with them right now your worst regret in life. Okay, so go ahead and do that. I'm going to have a seat for a moment. <laughs> yeah. First service, somebody said they were sitting right here. Their worst regret was showing up today. <laughs> it, was per- it was awesome. It was great. <laughs> it was, that was, that was, a, that was great. I'm sure we all have regrets, right? We all have regrets. We have decisions we wish we could do over. We wish we could get a do over. We wish we could remake it. Money, we wish we hadn't spent, invitations we wish we hadn't accepted, relationships we wish we had stayed out of, events we wish we never went to, jobs we wish we had never taken, friendships we wish we hadn't destroyed. And looking back, we ask ourselves the question, how could i have been so and each of us are filling a different word how could i have been so and what's your word what would you how could i have been so stupid how could i be so foolish how could i have been so unwise right how could i have done that or or maybe some of you even thought of it this way man how is it that i didn't see it coming how did i miss that Why couldn't I see that? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Why couldn't you see it coming? Well, I can tell you this. If you think you should have seen it coming, I can almost guarantee you somebody else did see it coming. They saw it coming in your life, and either you didn't listen to them, or they didn't share with you or tell you or warn you in the first place. And oftentimes, people don't share with you or warn you because they tried to do it in the past. And they concluded, based on your past reactions to them, why bother? Because the last time, they bit my head off. The last time, they got angry at me. The last time, they, and fill in the blank, they're just not interested in what I have to say. Why is it that you and I, we can't see it coming in our own life, but somebody else can? Let me turn it around. Why can I see trouble coming in your life? It's real obvious to me, but you can't see it. Why is that? How do I get there? Why is it I know exactly what you should do? And it's not just because I'm a pastor. That's just like an extra level of confidence that I know exactly what you should do. Why should I know exactly what you should do, but you don't? And why is it if I told you my story and you know exactly what I should do, but I don't? Well, we say it here at LifePoint all the time. It's one of those, it's not a motto, but it's just something we say all the time. And I hope it, it really over the years is if you've been here for any length of time, it affects your life and you think about it. And the reason is because what we say here all the time is it's very difficult to see our stuff. It's very difficult to see our issues, our weaknesses, our blind spots. The way we say it is it's very difficult to see in the mirror. It's easy to see in others. It's easy to see in them. But it's very difficult to see the struggle in our own lives. Now, practically speaking, how is that? Why is that? Well, practically speaking, I can't see it in my own life and you can't see it in your own life because personal choices, personal decisions, you know, trying to do the right thing, personal decisions for our own life are emotional by nature, aren't they? When you have something that's important in your life, something that's heavy in your life, man, that it gets emotionally charged. And once I get emotionally charged, the obvious is now less obvious to me. Is anybody tracking with me? That you know what I'm saying here. The obvious is no longer obvious to me, even though it's obvious to everybody else, because I'm worked up, wired up, rung up, whatever. Hence the reason I need wisdom. This is why you don't know what to do about your own marriage, but somebody else does. You don't know what to do about your own marriage, but you definitely know what to do about their marriage. It's why your kids baffle you, but your neighbor's kids, you know, they just need a good, you know, fill in the blank, and and they'll be all good. It's why you don't know what to do with that struggle you have with a brother or sister in the Lord that you're in the midst of. But boy, if you see two other Christians trying to work through something, it's obvious to you what to do. It's hard to see in the mirror. I'm wired up. I'm charged up. I'm emotionally involved in the circumstance. So what do I do? I mean, I want to honor God, right? You want to honor God. I want to glorify God with my life. You want to glorify God with your life. And you want to understand and pursue the will of God. And you want to make wise decisions, even when the emotions are raging or the passions are inflamed. So what do we do? Well, the Bible teaches us that it's the wise person, when they're going to make decisions, even emotionally charged decisions, even when the passions are inflamed, it's the wise person who, in its one word, they listen. They listen. The wise person is the person who listens. Why? Because they know they don't see it coming, but they know that others do see it coming. And so a wise person listens. In other words, wise people know what they don't know. And they're not afraid to go to others who do know. They're not fearful of going to others. They're not intimidated about going to others about what they don't know. Wise people are the ones that go, and this is an emotional situation, I'm probably going to make an unwise decision. Man, I'm so mad right now. I'm so fired up. I need godly advice right now. To And here's what we'll oftentimes say. I'm so fired up right now. I'm so, fill in blank, angry, upset, whatever. I'm so fired up, I can't what? You, what do you say? I can't think straight, think straight or... See straight. Isn't that what we say? But that's true. That's reality. And so the wise person understands, I need some godly wisdom and advice right now. Oh, I'm so lonely right now. And when I'm lonely, I'm prone to. So I know I probably need to go to somebody. I know I need to go to somebody. And I need to listen. How about this one? I'm misinterpreting this situation right now here's what I'm thinking this means but I'm pretty sure it's not correct the way I'm interpreting it so the wise person says I need to go to somebody and I need to listen so where do you start if we're going to go to others if we're going to seek others if we're going to listen who do we listen to well, I hope you would know that the obvious first place to start is we listen to the Holy Spirit speak to us. We want to listen to God speak to us. We want to seek God. We want to seek his counsel in our life. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 5, we find in that passage Jehoshaphat seeking first the counsel of the Lord. It tells us that he listened to God first. In Numbers chapter 9, verse 8, it tells us that Moses wanted to hear from God first. That Moses wanted to go to God first and find out what God commanded first before he went out to address the people. I love James chapter 1, verse 5, and I want you to say a part of it with me. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask who? You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You know that saying? That's saying God wants to help you. God wants to assist you. He loves you and He is interested in you and He wants you to be a person who lives wisely. And so, of course, God wants you to, to, to come to Him. He wants you to live a godly life, so He wants to give you wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. So how do we hear from God? If I'm going to seek God, I'm going to listen to God. How do I hear from God? Is it um, through prayer and listening to God's voice speak to us? Absolutely. And you listen to God's voice speak to you. But I want to encourage you, as you listen to the voice of God speak to you, that you start always in your life, first and foremost, by listening to God through His written word. Because if we don't listen to God through his wit and word, what we think might be from the Lord through his voice might be a false spirit. So it starts with understanding God's word and listening wise people. They know, they know how important it is to start by listening to God's counsel through his word. Now why do we listen to God through wise, for wise counsel through his word? Well, God tells us. He tells us throughout Scripture. I'll just give you a few of them. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And it goes on and says what it's useful for. It says it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting, and I love this one, and training in righteousness. In other words, living wise, understanding the will of God, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 tells us this about God and His Word. It says, The Word of God is alive and active. That means when you pick up God's Word, a physical Bible, and it's kind of a weird thought, when you tap your phone, when you read God's Word, when you let God's Word pour into you, the Bible, the Bible tells us God's Word is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And what does it do? It, the Bible says in that passage, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. Man, that's what God does with us. Second Timothy 2, verse 15, I love how it describes the Word of God. It describes God's Word as the Word of truth. You see, those who are wise want to seek truth, and they understand that, God, that truth is found in God and from God, and God will speak that truth to, to us through his word. So wise people listen to God through his word. Wise people also listen to God through the counsel of other wise people. Now, we've been talking about Solomon, and Solomon had so much to say about wisdom and listening to others and seeking counsel. In fact, that's just kind of one of the big things he talked about. And in fact, when he became king, it was a very young age, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, he asked God for wisdom and knowledge so that he could lead God's people. And God gave him the option, what do you want to ask for? And he didn't say, hey, man, make me rich, make me loaded, God, I want to have more than anybody else. He didn't ask for any of that. He said, God, I just want wisdom and knowledge. I have great responsibility here, and I want to lead, and I want to lead well. And so, God, if you're going to give me anything, I'm not worried about riches or fame or any of that. I just want wisdom and knowledge. And if you know the story, you know that God granted him the request, didn't he? He gave him wisdom. He gave him knowledge. And then the Bible tells us it goes on uh, because he didn't ask for, you know, wishes and fame. God gave that to him also. Yes, 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29, 31, and 34, it says it this way. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. In other words, this dude's got it all. He knows everything. Verse 31, he didn't ask for fame look what God said, since you asked for wisdom and knowledge. Verse 31, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. Verse 34, from all the nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Can you imagine what that is like? Just to maybe put it in modern times, can you imagine of all the kings and monarchs and dictators and all the people in the world said, "Hey, I heard there's a president in the United States, the wisest who ever lived, and we're going to seek his wisdom." Can you imagine that? And some of you are going, "No," but but some of you are like, "But that's kind of the image here." And I'm going to go to Solomon because he is the wisest king who's ever lived. And so picture it: a king had a decision to make, and he's like, "Man." I'm not sure what to do and I know there's Solomon and, and, and he's the wisest person there is and, and, you know, and he calls in a servant and says, I need you to go to the king of Israel. I need you to go to Jerusalem. Here, take here's a whole bunch of gold, silver. Take it all with you and get me some answers. And so they would come and people would line up and sometimes they'd wait days and weeks and even months just to get a short audience with King Solomon. Why? Because they would present their request or their need or whatever it was. And Solomon would hear the situation and his judgment was impeccable. And his understanding of the sciences and the math and the arts, it was amazing. He just was filled with wisdom. And Solomon, the wisest person to live, he knew something. And he knew for you and he knew for me there are going to be circumstances, there are going to be situations in our lives where we don't see it coming, but somebody else will. And so he shared over and over and over that wise people are those who would seek out counsel, who, who would listen, who invite others into their decision making processes. I'm not going to go through all of them in the Bible. I'll just give you a couple of them that kind of jumped out to me this week. I had, and I try to whittle it down. Proverbs chapter one, verse five, and it says this: A wise man will hear, and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire. And what does it say? They will acquire what? What's the word? Wise, wise counsel. Wise counsel, not bad counsel, not evil counsel, not what you want to hear counsel. Right? We're all good at that one. We're all good at finding that friend of ours who's going to say exactly what they, we want to hear and they're going to embrace how we feel about that person and they're going to be on my... We're great at that. No, no, no. He says, What kind of counsel do you seek? Wise counsel. I love Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 in the New Living Translation. It says it this way. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Now, again, does this mean that we listen to anyone? Do I listen to my best friend who's the most critical person on planet Earth? Do I listen to them for advice? And what's the answer? Of course not. I go to those who are wise, who have wisdom, who are godly people. That leads me and reminds me of Psalm chapter 1. And it's an incredible chapter. It's one of those, you know, memorizable type chapters or, or a few of the verses And it says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take the seat in the company of scoffers or mockers. Man, we're not partnering and hanging out with and seeking advice and counsel from the fool and the mocker and the simple naive person. He says, blessed are the ones who don't go there, verse 2, but who delight in the law of the Lord, who go to God who go to his word, who meditate or chew on his word day and night. That's where God wants us to go, to seek the godly counsel. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And again, what kind of many advisors do we go to? Do we just go to anybody? Well, there's a man, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but maybe you remember the story of King Rehoboam. He was one of Solomon's sons, and, 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 and it is time for him to be king. And so he said, the Bible says, seek, you know, many, counsel, many advisors, you can succeed. So he went to the wise people, the godly people, and they gave him wise and godly counsel. And then he went to all his buddies, all his friends, all the up-and-comers, all the ones who didn't have money or power, and now they have the potential to have money and power. And they gave a whole different set of advice, complete opposite. And who did Rehoboam listen? Because the Bible says, right? With many advisors you succeed. Well, he didn't choose the wise counsel, he chose the buddies. And their advice was horrible. And he didn't succeed. And he wasn't successful. It's always framed. Going to counsel is always framed in going to those who can actually help you. Who are wise and godly. In other words, wise wise people, they recognize what they don't know. And they are humbly willing to listen to those who do know. Now Solomon, the guy who spent his career saying no matter how wise you think you are, you're not wise enough. No matter how wise you are, you, no matter how much input you don't think you need, you always need input from others. No matter how smart you are, pause. Invite others in. That's Solomon. Do you know the story of Solomon? Because if you know the story of Solomon, the sad part is towards the end of his life, or towards as he moved forward in life, he must have concluded since I'm the wisest person who has ever lived, I don't need to listen to anybody. And because he didn't heed his own advice, He ended up making terrible decisions. Ultimately, he wrecked the economy of Israel, even though it had been strong. He undermined the military authority, even though they had been strong. He divided the kingdom of Israel. He set up the next generation of his own family for failure because of the decisions that he made. Do you know that the prophets warned him? Do you know that the law of God warned him? People around him, I don't know if they warned him, but if they did warn him, he didn't listen. Because he decided I'm the smartest guy in the room. People line up to hear me. Why would I listen to anybody else? I'm going to trust how I think. I was given wisdom by God. I'll trust in my own mind. It's too bad. He didn't listen to his very own words that he wrote in Proverbs 28:26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. He didn't listen to himself. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered or will be kept safe. You see, what God is saying through Solomon to all of us this morning is that nobody is outside or above seeking wisdom. Nobody. And all of us here today, or at least most of us, I can almost guarantee you have something going on in your life right now that you believe, that you think you can handle it that you got it, you're good, you can figure it out, you don't need outside input, you don't need outside help. Solomon thought so too. And because Solomon wouldn't get good and godly counsel, he got in trouble. He undermined his own life and his own legacy And I wonder how often we undermine our own life, our own relationships with others. I wonder how often we undermine our own relationship with God. And like Solomon, we also uh, undermine our own legacy. Why? Why do you do it? Why do I do it? Why did Solomon do it? Why ignore such an important principle of listening and seeking good and godly advice through His Word and through other godly people? Why ignore God's counsel through His Word? Why ignore wise counsel from God through others who are godly people? Well, there's a few reasons we do it. I don't have time to go through a lot of them today. I'll just give you a couple to think about. First, you and I ignore the counsel of God because at times... We already know what the wise people are going to say, right? And we don't want to hear it. You know what I'm talking about, right? We don't even want to ask it because we know what we're going to hear and we're not ready or interested to hear it. I was really thinking about this this week. And, and, and I don't know, one, of the, one day it kind of came to me and I realized, man, I don't think in all these years of ministry that I've ever had a meeting with somebody I don't think I've ever received an email from somebody who is asking me questions and asking for else or help and asking for complete. You ready for this? Hey, pastor, please be one hundred percent, totally candid with me. Pastor, don't be afraid to offend me. I want a thousand percent honesty. Pastor, don't worry about choosing your words. And I was like, no one's ever done that. Never. People are always looking for a little counsel and advice, but a lot of time it's so they'll feel better or maybe they'll, you know, want a little bit of information but not too much. A Christian guy doesn't ask me if it's okay to move in with his girlfriend. Doesn't. Doesn't want to know the answer. But pastor, you know, you, you did say based on past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? And so, you know, the last time I didn't move in with the person, it ended really awful. So I didn't know, really know what they were like. So this time I'm taking your advice and I'm going to move in with them because that's what you said. Based on your past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? Yeah, you're taking my advice. You're taking it out of context. <laughs> right? We ignore godly counsel. We don't ever listen to it because sometimes we don't want to hear it because then that means in whatever that circumstance is whatever that situation is relational with some people with somebody relational with god uh, a decision about my life that might require some changes a lot of times you know what we we know that if we listen to good and godly advice it means we got to make take a hard look at ourselves inside and man there's some issues in there and there's some pain and there's some hurt and we don't want to go there and we know by seeking godly counsel in that situation, it actually opens up a whole bigger issue in my life. And so we said, No, I'm not ready to hear it. And based on what we talked about last week in the Bible, what does that make us? The person who knows, we already know what's going to be said, but we don't want to hear it, or we don't care enough to do something about it, what does that make us? It makes us a what? Starts with an F. What what is it? It makes us foolish. Sometimes we don't want a, a godly counsel because we don't want to hear it. But there's another reason. And, man, i got to tell you, this is extremely dangerous. Sometimes we don't seek godly counsel and then listen to what is said because we have reasoned in our heart, in our mind, in our head, we have reasoned it's nobody else's business. I want to tell you that's one of the scariest places to live. It's nobody else's business. It's my life. I'm not going to ask for advice. I'm not going to listen to advice. And don't knock on my door and don't send me an email. Just leave me alone. It's my life. It's none of your business. Pray for me all you want, but don't talk to me. I'd love for you to pray for me. Just don't talk to me. But you and I have learned, haven't we? If nothing else, just by watching the media over over our life. Private decisions often end up having public consequences, don't they? What we think is nobody else's business oftentimes becomes everybody's business. In fact, wouldn't you agree with me that every embarrassing public scandal, it began with a personal private decision? Wouldn't you agree with that? We're kind of seeing some of that right now just in our local paper with some local issues going on here in Elk Grove. Personal decisions don't stay personal. They involve and impact others. And yet, there's something inside of us that just says, I got it, I got it. I can figure this out. I'm smart enough. Leave me alone. I'll take care of it. I can handle it. What is that? In the Bible, you know what that's described as? That's described as pride. Pride is saying, I don't need others. I don't need to be told what to do. Nobody's speaking into my life. It's nobody's business. Pride, using our word, it's just unwise. But humility and listening to God through his word and through others by seeking godly counsel, listen, that's wisdom. So wisdom's found in the person who understands they can't do it alone. They can't make all the decisions for their life by themselves. Why? Because they know. They get it. They know that they are prone to follow their emotions. They know they're prone to follow their flesh and follow their heart, which, by the way, the Bible describes about our heart in Jeremiah 17.9. What does it say? It says our heart is deceitful. It says our heart is beyond beyond cure. So the wise person recognizes those issues that we have. The the wise person understands, left to ourselves, we are prone, we want to trust our way, we want to trust our understanding, we want to walk our path, and we think we can figure it out, which is why God says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. God knows and understands, that's where we want to go trust ourselves trust our you know what God gave us and 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 we want to lean on our paths my business I'll take care of and God said no no don't do that don't trust in yourself don't lean on your own understanding he goes on and says in all your ways submit to him to God in all of your ways and he'll make your path straight we don't have time to explore it this week I'll just throw a couple thoughts to you you can think about it see how it's played out in your life but there's a few roots of our pride and one of those roots is success and here's what happens. This is one of the ways you and I get prideful. We might be successful in a certain area of our life. We might be recognized in our field or our in- industry or we've just experienced, you know, progress. And so our inclination is to think, well, if, if I'm good at this and I've received accolades in this and I have this degree and I have all this, then that makes me smart in everything else you realize the craziness of that logic? But that's where we go. That's why we naturally resist outside input. That's why we naturally, left to our flesh, resist feedback, resist going to counsel, resist going to a counselor. Success is at the root of our pride, but so is failure. And here's what I mean by that. Man, have you ever sought advice... And found out when you were listening to that advice, it got extremely painful because it was just reminding you the story you've shared of your own life and the story you've shared is, I'm a failure. I've messed up. I've screwed up. I've done this over and over, whatever the case may be. And you go seek advice and that advice is coming out and the way you're hearing it is you're playing that story over and over and over in your head that says, I'm a failure. And when somebody reminds you of your inadequacies, man, you just climb back into the hole. You climb back into those unhealthy ways and words and choices because we think it's safe there. So pride is also rooted in our failures. That pride, it wells up in our successes and in our failures. And so we say, I got it. I got it. I'm good. And God says, no, you don't. No, you don't. I didn't design you that way. I didn't design you that way. I didn't create you that way. Isolating ourselves is extremely unwise. God created you and he created me to need one another. In fact, if you were just to study through the New Testament, through the lenses of one another, you would realize that throughout the New Testament, uh, one of the great topics of the New Testament is essentially the one another's. We're in this together. God's a God of community. He wants us to be people of community. It's a huge subject. Wise people, they know what? Wise people know what? What they don't know. And they're not intimidated, and they're not afraid, and they're not too prideful to go to the good and godly people who do. Wise people know what, but wise people also know when. They know that when their emotions or their passions are inflamed, it's time to hit the pause button. It's time to stop. And it's time to invite some good and godly counsel into this circumstance, into this situation, into this conversation, into this decision that I have before me. So, in light of your past experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, listen. Listen. Listen to God's voice. God will speak to you first and foremost through His Word, and then God will use the voices of other godly people to point you and to guard you and to help you so that you don't have to be looking back in your life at another episode, another relationship, another expenditure in life, another uh, you know, season where you've been away from God. You don't have to look back at that and say, how could I have been so foolish How come I didn't see it coming? Last week you had to choose, or we asked you to choose. We asked you to pick a chair. The simple, the fool, the mocker, or the wise. Pick a chair. This week we're asking you to pick a voice. Pick a voice. You get to choose. So, what voice are you going to choose? I believe Scripture's clear that the wise voice to listen to is not your own heart, which the Bible says is wicked. The wise voice to listen to is not your own understanding. The wise voice is not to listen to the buddies who are going to tell you what you want to hear. The wise voice is not to travel down those paths. The wise voice to listen to is to God's voice through His Word and through good and wise counsel. Who are you going to listen to? Pick your voice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you for your word and the truth of your word. And my hope and my prayer, God, is that today it truly does penetrate to the depth of our heart and our soul. And that, God, you would help us to look inward and look at those areas of our life that we can't see and just God give us glimpses of it so we know who to go to and and how to seek you and how to read your word and how to seek out good and godly advice God I pray you raise up a body of believers who take your word seriously who trust you with all their heart mind soul and strength God right now we come to worship you in another way and it's through giving you our offering and God we know your scriptures are clear and the wise person, God, follows your word. And they come right now, God, to give you the first fruits of, their, of what you've entrusted to them. And so, God, they come to give you an offering. We come to give you our offering. And I'm grateful for this opportunity, God. And I pray, God, that more and more people would see the wisdom behind giving you our first fruits. Sure, you ask it. Sure, you, we could even say it in places you command it. We, we know all that. But God, there's wisdom behind this and helping to loosen the grip of materialism in our life and trusting you. There's so much behind this. There's so wise. And so, God, I pray that your people now, they come to give to you and they recognize the wisdom behind it. Use these gifts, God to reach your people here in Elk Grove, to reach those who don't yet know you, to reach those across the world who don't know you and who need your good news message. So God, we come to give you this, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.